Today, I want to talk about recording piano through the 4.3 framework. And I'm also going to tell you about the plugin I use to do exactly that. That's coming up on Home Music Studio One. Hello, everyone. Dave Maxa here from Home Music Studio One. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, this is the place where you can learn to produce professional audio on any size budget. And I also like to kind of think of it this way. You can learn cheap ways to produce expensive sound. So welcome. Thank you for joining me. Uh, you know, if you'd like to kind of take the next step at learning how to produce professional audio, head on over to homemusicstudio1.com forward slash free gift, and you can be part of the growing community of literally hundreds of newsletter subscribers that uh, are subscribing virtually daily that are getting uh, free and exclusive content delivered directly to their inbox. Again, you can do that by heading on over to homemusicstudio1.com forward slash free gift. With that, I want to talk to you about recording piano and uh, processing that piano track through the 4-3 mix. And uh, in order to do that, I've got a project that I created. And so we've got a lot to cover. I want to just dive right in. So let me go ahead and show you the project that I've got going on right now. Okay, so uh, I've got a session of a Sonar X2 producer open. And uh, I have created uh, a project that this is a, essentially a brand new song that I'm working on. I want to begin to outline... Uh, kind of where we have gone in the f processing this through the through the four three framework. Now, uh, just to, uh, by way of reminder, if you're uncertain what the four three framework is, you may want to go back and check the previous show episode that I, I just released. Uh, you can do that by heading over to uh, homemusicstudio1.com forward slash two zero, and that'll kind of catch you up to speed. And so, uh, I'm, I'm we're, we've been kind of processing what it takes to record a song from start to finish uh, onto your computer and kind of that uh, home based computer recording. And uh, this is really uh, episode number four, kind of in that series. And we've now begun, I've, I've created a project and I'm going to let you get kind of a bird's eye or really kind of a micro view of exactly what is happening and how we do that using the 4-3 tier uh, phase system, uh, kind of the framework that I use that I found myself using throughout all the years uh, to really make this mix build out into a professional mix. And so, uh, first of all, I want to let you hear a piece of what I've got going on. I've created this project. It's at, uh, uh, you know, quality-wise, it's a 48 uh, hertz on the sample or on the speed. And as far as the bit rate or bit depth, it's 24-bit. That's typically where I record the majority of my projects at. And uh, once I did that, I actually created just a simple click track uh, as part of the metronome here so that everything I'm recording, I'm recording to the, the proper tempo that I have this song set to record at, which in this case is 70 beats per minute. This is a rock song, but it's a slow rock song, okay? So kind of more of a ballad here based real heavy on piano and got some other instruments that we'll add as we go along. So those things are kind of, this is all assuming that we've got some basic housekeeping things of the home recording studio in order. So I've updated my drivers uh, when it comes to the audio interface. I know that everything is in good operation. Uh, my machine is running smooth, those kinds of things. Okay, so take care of those things first. Uh, then I've created my project. I've got my click track. Um, I'll let you hear just a little bit of what that sounds like. Okay, so just a... Uh, you know, a pretty basic metronome, nothing real too fancy. 
uh, you know, just a little click action going on in there so that I have something to follow along with what I'm doing. And then uh, from there, I'm going to let you hear a piece of this mix. Um, I I've simply just laid down with that click track, I laid down a keyboard line here, or a piano line. And uh, this is a virtual instrument that I've used, and I'll explain exactly what I'm using here in a minute after I let you hear it. Uh, and then what I've done is I've added what's called a lead vocal uh, scratch track. And I call that a scratch track because I probably will not keep that lead track throughout the whole project. At some point, I'm going to delete that lead track and then redo it once I get a little more instrumentation in there. But having uh, kind of a first instrument along with a click allows me uh, to then add that vocal. This whole picture right now gives me something again be to build out from. I've got the voice in there for a reference of the rest of the project where I'm at, and uh, the instrument gives me kind of the reference for the pitch as well and, and establishes some dynamics. So let me let you hear a portion of what I've got going so far. Okay, that kind of gives you a good idea of uh, what we've got working with right now. Uh, again, real more of a ballad song, real slow. Uh, is something that kind of expresses some things that I've been going through over the last couple of years of my life. So I'm kind of communicating that. I'm trying to build a picture audibly uh, of kind of those, uh, you know, somber moments and, and moving on. There, there's more to it as the song goes along. But how, first of all, am I getting the piano that I have now? And I want to walk you through processing this piano track specifically through the 4-3 framework. First of all, um, let me show you the plugin that I am using to do this. I've mentioned this plugin before. Uh, this is by the folks from xlnaudio.com, and this is the Addictive Keys plugin. Now, there's a couple versions of this plugin. Uh, if you head on over to xlnaudio.com, uh, you can click on products there in the upper left, and then uh, in the upper right, you'll see Addictive Keys. You can click on that. And then also to the right, you will see the Studio Grand free version. Uh, and I stress that free version. What I love about this plugin is it's free, okay? Uh, and honestly, um, these are some of the best, uh, you know, uh, plugins for virtual instruments out there. Uh, XL on Audio does a wonderful job. Uh, and this, this plugin, the only limitations on this plugin has to do with how many octaves of this piano that are on there. And you, uh, you miss a few uh, microphone settings and some other things. But um, what you're going to hear and what I'm going to demonstrate of how I walk this, this track through the 4.3 is all done with the free version of this plugin that you can pause this right now and go download the VST version of this plugin, load it into your own DAW, uh, your recording software, and you can pick up right along with me. So I want to encourage you to do that. But uh, getting back to my session here, um, processing this through the 4-3, I want to remind us, first of all, that the four tiers of the 4-3 process start with the tone tier, the depth of field tier, the stereo field tier, and the dynamic tier. 
And then we also found out last week that those four tiers, we process them really in three distinct phases with any project that we do. It doesn't matter what style of music you're doing. And it really doesn't matter, uh, really, ultimately, what kind of gear you have. I'm using right now a $150 Scarlet 2i2, nothing fancy. I've got one microphone, and uh, everything else is going to be done in the software version of this project. Even my electric guitar that I'll record later on is going to be running through a pod. I'm going to be using some plugins. I'll show you with that as well. And so, uh, very inexpensive setup can be done very inexpensively, and it really uh, you can create an amazing professional project by just following through this framework that I'm going to begin to outline for you uh, exactly what this looks like and uh, following this kind of in process and building your mix out from there. So our first tier being the tone tier. Uh, here's how I process this initially when I'm looking at this, uh, because the first question regarding these tiers that we have to ask is what phase of the recording process are we in? Now, simply, uh, this is what I would call the pre-production phase. This is not the point where we're trying to mix our tracks together. Uh, we don't have our tracks mixed, and we're not trying to master them together. This is pre-production. We are at the place where we are trying to record and lay down these tracks, okay? So there's some things that we think about differently in the pre-production phase that we wouldn't necessarily think about in the post-production and the mastering phase. However, we need to consider the next two phases while we're at this place right now. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, we do not want to limit ourselves as we record our tracks with something that we're going to be disappointed with in the future phases. If we say, uh, you know what, um, you know, I'm recording this piano and I just, I don't really, I don't want any lows mixed in the tracks whatsoever. So as I record it, I'm going to cut, say, 150 on down. And then you may find as you get into the post-production in the mixing phase, uh, you're going to realize that, oh, there might be a spot. Maybe there's this two-bar phrase where the bass guitar is gone and it sure would be nice to have a little bottom to that piano there. Well, I've actually cut that bottom in the recorded phase, uh, in the pre-production phase, and now I don't have the ability ability to bring it back in. So you want to be careful what you do in this phase. You you want to walk through these tiers one step at a time, but think about what am I what what can I do? How can I process this track through these four tiers of the 4-3 framework while giving myself the most flexibility for the following phases. Okay, very important. So in the post or pre-production phase, I'm sorry, we're in the pre-production phase, tier one is the tone tier. So what do I do when I process the tone of my tracks in this phase? Well, the first thing that I'm considering in this is I'm after a very realistic piano sound as much as I can get, knowing that I don't have a couple hundred grand and I don't have a nine-foot Steinway in my basement here. Uh, I want to create as much of a, a feel of a real grand piano, not so much really the big uh, nine-foot concert grand or something like that, but somewhere in between, okay? I'm not really after the upright sound, but uh, that's why I love this plugin. The Studio Grand sound is really exactly what I'm after. And so there's a couple things that I'm doing to create that. Initially, uh, when it comes to tone, uh, the first thing that I'm considering is what types of mic configuration am I using? If I were going to record this piano in the real live environment in a studio, uh, I would reach, first of all, my personal preference. I would reach immediately for probably two condensers uh, or, or possibly even two ribbon mics that I would reach for, and I would place them about a foot above the piano, directly uh, about six inches into the piano, and I would place them to the left and the right of where my sitting position would be if I were playing it. 
So if I were playing the piano to my upper left, about uh, eight to 12 inches above the piano, I would have a microphone facing into the strings. And then to my right, uh, in the upper right corner of, of the, the keyboard, I would also have another microphone. This is what I love about this plugin. Uh, though you are limited on a few of the microphone options, uh, the, the option that it automatically came up with when I loaded it was two rhythm, uh, ribbon mics, that are close up mic'd or close mic'd in the, the configuration that I just described to you. And so they're giving me exactly what I would do live. That's important when it comes to the tone. Now, why? The position of your mics in the right place will give you a good balance of uh, everything that's going on with that piano, the mechanical sounds of the piano from the sustain pedal going up and down, uh, you know, the, the good stereo width that we'll talk about in a minute, the tone of what is happening in the room is going to create and shape that tone. So where those mics are placed is the first thing I consider when I'm considering the tone tier because the different placements of those microphones will change my tone without altering any EQ. So in this case, uh, in this case, I've selected the close uh, close mic ribbon mic option. It's a stereo configuration, left right. That's perfect for my needs. Now, uh, the next thing I want to point out is if I had these two microphones in a studio, one of the things that they would probably be doing would be running through a preamp of some type. Uh, in one scenario, you may be using a tube preamp. And inevitably, what is going to happen is every gear that you run your microphones through in the analog realm is going to begin to shape and color the sound. That is just a natural part of how it was in the old analog days. That's what we loved about it. Uh, and even, uh, you know, some of you guys out there that are still kind of hardcore analog, uh, you know, there's just things that, that, that we miss from the analog days. Well, here's what I love about this plugin as well. Uh, if I were running this through a tube pre, there would be some noise happening from those tubes uh, that uh, would be definitely evident in the sound. Now, it might not be really dominant, but all these little elements that I'm going to share and I'm talking about make a huge difference in the final product. So here's what I want to do. Um, this has got an option here to turn on some of that tube. It's not saturation. In other words, it's not distortion. It's actually more closer to what I would call white noise or more of a background static. Let me let you hear, uh, I'm going to crank this up so you can hear exactly what I'm referring to. And then I'm going to show you, I'm going to add just a little bit of this tube noise back into the, the piano sound here. So here's more than what I would ever use, but just to give you an idea of the sound I'm referring to. Okay, that's kind of that background static in there. Uh, and that, that is that tube noise that is happening just by virtue of the noise of what the tube does and electronics and well, not the electronics, but the, the actual tube with inside there. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to kind of lower that down a little bit. And I want just a touch of that. I want just a touch of that static kind of sound in there to where in the real quietest spots of that piano, you can hear it. That's going to lend itself to creating a tone that feels more like the live version of the piano. Okay. The other piece of the tone that I'm going to do at this stage as well as I'm processing the tone tier is the mechanics of the pedal noise is a key thing when recording a piano. Uh, if I put the piano pedal up and down like this, let me crank this up and I'll show you here. That right there is the sound that if I just raised the, and lowered the sustain pedal that you would naturally hear if you were sitting in front of this piano. Having a little bit of that in there definitely helps to create a more natural sound if that's what you're after. And in this case, I am. So I'm going to add a little bit of that. In this case, I'm going to add actually about 6 dB of that. And uh, you're really not going to hear it a crazy amount. It's just going to be in there real subtle, but it's going to be one of the major pieces that reflect and shape my tone. 
So in the tone tier, those are kind of the major things that I would do initially at this stage. And also remember, we're using a virtual instrument here. So uh, it's really hard to lock ourselves out of not being able to change something down the road. But if you were recording with an acoustic piano, these are things you would need to process. And I I'm definitely uh, would encourage you to go through this process regardless of the instrument you're using. Uh, so let's hear up to that point, uh, just a little bit of the piano. I'm going to mute the lead and uh, make sure the, the click is off. Let's hear what we've got going on now. Okay, so you can definitely hear we've, we've got a pretty decent piano sound happening right now. Uh, I'm actually very pleased with that. Now, there's a couple other things that I want to process as we continue to move upwards through these tiers. The next tier is the depth of field tier. And here's the importance at this phase. We want to make sure that as we're recording this track, we are doing whatever we need to do on the front end to capture the space that we're recording this piano in. And in this case, this was a sampled piano. So we want to make sure that we're adding some depth of field. In other words, we want this piano to feel like it's actually recorded in a room, whether it's a studio room that's got a nice big ceiling in it, or whether it's a big studio hall or some type of space. We don't want it to feel like it's just dry, square, slapping you right in between the eyes, okay? We want it to feel like there's depth to it, like it's recorded in a space. We're creating this virtual space, and we do that by a combination of a few things. Uh, the first thing I already mentioned, and that is the placement of these microphones, a nice wide distance uh, to the upper left and the upper right, just above the actual uh, keyboard part of the piano. Uh, that, that placement of that configuration is giving me a nice wide feel. And since this piano and this song is kind of really the major part of a lot of the song, that's what I'm after in this particular track. So that's number one. Uh, that, that is something that we kind of killed two birds with one stone in the tone phase by making sure we got the mics right. Uh, but that depth of field is going to be created. And then the next thing I'm going to do, uh, because that, that depth of field with those distance there is picking up a little bit of the room noise as well as a nice balanced signal of the strings and those hammers hitting the strings. So uh, that's really good. Uh, we, we definitely want to start there, but I'm also going to add a little bit of reverb into this as well. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to play it. I'm going to crank the reverb way past where it needs to be so you can hear what I'm dealing with. And then I'm going to pull it down right where I think is appropriate. And the beauty of this plugin is it's got reverb built into it as well. Again, don't forget, we're using the completely free version of this plugin. So let me uh, make this adjustment here as you're listening to it. Cranked all the way up. Going to pull it back where it needs to be. Okay. Now that's right about exactly where I would run the, run the reverb. I'm giving just enough to add just a little bit more depth with it. And that helps to kind of blend in uh, uh, just all this piano sound together. It gives me a nice little depth of field. Uh, and so that that's kind of the next step. Now, as we continue to process up through uh, the, the four tiers of the 4-3 framework, the next tier is the stereo field. Now, the stereo field definitely builds upon the depth of field tier, but here's what's different about the stereo field. What we're concerned most of here is what are we doing with the three sweet spots of our audio? And by that, I mean the center of the mix and the left and the right of the mix. Uh, you got to know what's happening in those three areas. 
and uh, creating a good separation between those areas and appropriately filling in between them is uh, is huge when it comes to an amateur to a professional mix, kind of moving from that amateur to professional. So uh, here's what I want to do here. I want to let you hear this same piano in a mono uh, set up here. I've got a, a plugin that just allows me to uh, manipulate kind of the, the mid and the side uh, independent from the left and right. And I'm going to use this just to take the stereo feed that you're hearing and turn it into mono. And I've adjusted the gain just a little bit uh, so we can kind of keep a balance here. And so uh, third tier being the stereo field tier, listen to this mix. If we just completely left it right in the center, what would the same piano sound like? Here's back stereo again. Okay, so hopefully you've been able to hear definitely there's a major difference of this nice wide sound that we're getting. When we go to a complete mono, uh, we lose a lot of that kind of fatness to it. We lose a lot. Now, if I had this uh, kind of panned off to just maybe one side and it wasn't a dominant instrument in the mix, we could get away with that a little bit in the stereo field. But here's what I'm trying to accomplish in the stereo field. And in all honesty, this plugin uh, has taken care of a lot of this by just the way they sampled the piano sound for me. In a regular piano, if you had this mic configuration in a live piano, if you recorded it, the stereo field would sound exactly or very similar to what is happening live, which is what I'm trying to create. So if I were playing this piano and I'm sitting in front of it and I play higher notes, which are to my right hand, they would actually come to my ears more toward my right ear. They would be heard more toward my right ear. If I then moved toward middle C and began to play lower notes, those lower notes would sound more toward my left ear. That is the exact stereo field we are trying to create in this piano. Now, further on down the road in the post-production uh, you know, phase, we may make a little more adjustment to make that even wider. But for right now, this is what I want to make sure we have access to as I'm recording this is, is that we're in stereo and we're appropriately panned. And uh, the fact that these mics were in the configuration that they were and they're simply probably panned hard left, hard right, uh, the sound that I'm hearing is exactly what I am after uh, to this point. And so we, we've definitely got a good setup there between the stereo field and now uh, the depth of field. We've got those two added together, all built on the tone tier. The last tier... Uh, in this phase, as well as the other three phases, is the dynamic tier. And uh, there's a couple things to consider in the dynamic tier. One is when you're recording, uh, be careful about using lots of compression. And when I say dynamic, there's two things of dynamic. One is volume, uh, and that's why I refer to compression. Number two is the actual dynamics of the musical production of the song. What instruments come in where, how many play at the same time, how are those instruments playing? So quickly looking at compression. Um, this is beautiful because we can make some adjustments as we go along. But one thing I want to point out is I'm using just a little bit of light compression on this. If I go to the beginning of this track, like you've heard, it's really kind of a, a light piano. However, if I go more toward the, the later end of the song, it's much a little more aggressive. And so I'm going to use compression to kind of balance that out a little bit. And I'm going to do that right now at the beginning of the track because I had the ability to adjust it in the future. Let me let you hear kind of a little more aggressive part of, uh, of the piano.
Okay, so definitely uh, there's compression in there. And just by virtue of what I'm doing, uh, I'm not too concerned about the numbers because I'll be able to adjust that in the future. But I'm, I'm throwing that in there right now. Uh, because at this place, it helps kind of control those, uh, the compression a little bit on those peaks. And that just is a little more realistic of where we're going to land in the end. Uh, but by default, this is set at a little less than a, a three to one ratio. Uh, it's also set at a 25 millisecond attack and uh, 180 millisecond release. And uh, I'm right about negative 15 on my threshold. Okay. And so that just kind of gives you a general idea of where I'm at for this particular song, less concerned about those numbers and more concerned about just kind of controlling uh, with nice grace and nice smoothness uh, those those more uh, aggressive spots in the song. Okay, so that's the dynamic tier. The other, probably I would say this, uh, more important piece of the dynamic tier in uh, in less less important by compression is this you know in compression if you were dealing with something that was not a virtual instrument be very careful about how much compression you use while you're tracking or while you're recording. I very seldom use compression on this phase in the post pre-production phase with something that is coming in as audio. Uh, the only time I ever use compression is is really a light, maybe a, knocking down a decibel or two. And I typically only do that if I'm concerned about clipping out my input signal. And I'm more or less using that as a limiter, a real soft limiter. So, so keep an eye on that. But probably the more important at this stage when it comes to the dy- dynamic tier is how is this track being played? Uh, Listen closely to the very beginning of this track to let me just kind of remind you again of how the notes are being played. Now the vocal would come in here. Okay, now the reason I played a good portion of that is we had our intro, but as the vocal began to play, uh, the piano was not busy at all. And when it comes to the pre-production dynamic tier, this is the most important phase, most important part of that tier is making sure that you are not creating what I call a wall of sound. One of the biggest mistakes that we make as as amateurs is the idea that every instrument needs to be playing 100% volume 100% of the time and that somehow when I get this all said and done and mix them together, I can just make it all sound great. Well, that's not true. If you don't address this properly, uh, remember the 100% rule. What I'm doing by the way I play that piano, they're really broken chords. And when the vocals come in, I'm simply hitting literally three notes on the piano and letting them sustain so that there's room for the vocal now to fill with the piano. So the two vocal and the piano together are now making up a complete picture as opposed to the piano alone making it all by itself. So it was a little busier in the intro because that's going to be predominantly the piano. And then dynamically, I played it in such a way where uh, it's much, much less busy, real broken chords, not trying to bang out some really knocking out rhythm in that particular spot, trying to leave room for the other instruments that are coming into play. Very important to process every track that same way on the dynamic tier and especially most important in the pre-production phase. If I just came out and just banged out every chord and just knocked it full corded uh, like this, let me kind of swing over to my piano and give you a little demonstration. I'm going to play this live for you. If I just kind of did this, 
okay, if that were the beginning underneath the vocals, all right, the the notes might be right, the chords might be right, but I'm just walking all over the dynamics of what needs to happen of the other instruments, in this case, the vocal. So rather than doing that, I simply just, while the vocal came in, did this. Okay, much more broken, much more sporadic, leaving dynamic room, okay? So that that is the fourth uh, tier of the 4-3 framework. Very important as you process to kind of think through exactly what that looks like. And this is the thought press, process that I walk through uh, showing you exactly what I've done to kind of begin with this piano. So hopefully this has been helpful to you. Again, this is the first of, of kind of going to give you a, a picture of, of kind of right over my shoulder of the rest as we build this project out. But here's how I would begin to process this with the 4-3 framework, ultimately leading to building a professional mix. Hopefully this has been helpful. If you got questions, I would love to hear them. I'd love to hear your comments. Head on over to homemusicstudio1.com forward slash contact. You can send me an email through that as well. Uh, or just leave your comments at the bottom of the YouTube uh, video here as well as uh, in iTunes. You can also do the same thing right on the blog in the blog post. And let me just remind you as well, if you've not joined us, uh, the hundreds of subscribers on the newsletter, I would want to invite you to go ahead and do that. You can head on over to homemusicstudio1.com forward slash free gift. And uh, just as a thank you for signing up to that newsletter, you'll not only get uh, recent updates and exclusive content, I'll also send you a free copy of my ebook entitled Understanding Compression in the Home Music Studio and get that out to you right away. So uh, with that, until next time, this is David Maxey with Home Music Studio One. We'll